What's up, everyone? Hello, welcome to Debrief Episode 2. We are uh, up to a little bit of a late start. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Daylight Savings does not exist over here yet. So uh, I was a little bit late in getting up, unfortunately. Uh, which also, I think it's probably going to affect uh, the NA games coming up as well for us. Because yeah. I think we're going to be starting those an hour earlier for us over here. Which is probably for the best, because we start those at 2 a.m. normally. Yeah, it should probably stay like that for you guys. It's going to be easier. Uh, I don't know. You won't go I'm, to I'm, I'm, as late. I'm such a graveyard shift person. <laughs> I really don't mind. I literally got up like 30 minutes ago, so I'm good. But uh, but yeah, so we wanted to come on and talk about, uh, I believe we're going to go over some of the stuff related to what's going into this season. Challenger League qualifiers for the Challenger League, the Pro League teams that are playing and, and such. Yeah, well, we've been busy in the last weeks. I mean, especially you with uh, Challenger League qualifiers to be casted and all that stuff. All that good stuff. Uh, obviously, there was the week after our first podcast, there was the Invitational, which was amazing. And after that was Qualifier 1, Qualifier 2, and pretty much here we are today now. Yeah, the qualifiers were interesting in that, uh, at least for NA, we had some teams that weren't the usual ones kind of creeping up. I think just because the usual ones already had their yeah. spots for the most part. But it was a surprise. Yeah, I mean, there was some teams that I thought were going to make it for sure that just didn't make it because I think they just, you know, got knocked out towards the end and then just couldn't make it back out of the loser's bracket. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting one. It's going to be interesting, too, to see what happens because, uh, you know, teams that are there... I mean, oh, yeah, I'm not super excited for this season. Now that I think about it, what I want is just Nick and Ben to be there already, and a five-round offense, five-round defense. That is what yeah, I really I'm excited thought about this. This just feels to me like a buffer season where you know things are going to happen. It's going to be the good old thing that we know and are comfortable with. But next season is going to be where I'm going to be excited to watch. It's unfortunate we couldn't transition to at least some of the stuff to kind of prepare teams for the six yeah. month. Because once they're in the sixth month, that's a long time to be stuck in a totally different format without a whole lot of preparation. I was hoping we would at least switch to the best of one. And, I mean, in some ways we could have done the operator pick ban, um, you know, manually. But I guess uh, they just decided it was best to give an extra bit of time to make sure they're fully prepared for the six-month season. But at least they announced everything and made it clear. So teams have already been prepping and custom games and such. Yeah, it's... Um, I would have loved to... Like get rid of the bracket system like immediately and just go for the robin round would have been great because right now with bracket is just oh well some teams are going to be kicked out in two games and it's going to be it for them for this season and yeah it's a shame because i mean they're yeah. great teams it would have been better for us too as the casters because then we get to cast four games a night yeah. and they're shorter games so like we actually get to a lot of times get done earlier, but get more matches or more teams in there. And I definitely would have preferred that myself. But, uh, you know, at least we're going to get to that next season. So that should be good. Yeah. I mean, we're still going to get good games. Uh, if I look at the bracket now, the game A will be EG Ronin and Era Space Station for the first day, which is going to be a great game. I'm expecting uh, EG to win fairly uh, easily just because they have experience over Ronin. Uh, but Era and Space Station, I'm not, I'm not, not sure. Era always proved me wrong in the past, and I think it might happen again. But I want to see Space Station do well. Yeah, Era been fine online, but they just yeah. not been performing in person. But they've had a lot of shuffles roster wise. So 
Unless true. they like gel together fast, I think they could get knocked out pretty quick. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But uh yeah. I think it's gonna go EG for sure. And this bracket, I'm seeing EG getting on top of it. Yeah, I think I mean, big uh, unless a big upset happened, I don't I don't think it's Yeah, it's I think everyone's gotta go to five. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, obviously, they proved it last land. I think a lot of people, because sometimes, you know, they've been doing well during the seasons, and we were like uh, always hoping they would do well in land, and then they hadn't been. I think they definitely finally got it together this last one at Invitational. But then again, new season, new meta, especially with the new operator we have right now. If a team cannot adjust as fast as another one, it could mean a lot, especially with only two games to play uh, before you can potentially get kicked out. It's fast. You need to be yeah, a... you need to be ready, you need to grind just before the season starts and have a clear plan to how you're gonna do it. And sometimes it's easier said than done. Yeah, this could be a big wild card for us in terms of predicting who's gonna do what is that we it's not just who is already a good team, it's who's adapting to this uh potential new meta. I mean I think everyone way overreacts before a season. And like, oh my god, it's all going to just be this. Nothing's going to work. It's just going to be this, this, this. It's going to be horrible. Season's going to be boring to watch, etc., etc. Which rarely is true, in my opinion. But Boring to watch? I don't know. Because what I've heard is <laughs> the meta is going to be very aggressive. And a very aggressive meta means we're going to have a lot of gunfight and fast gunfight. So interesting to watch. Depends. I think it might be. I think, it might I, think be I mean, to watch. it's going to be different, that's for sure, if it's as aggressive as people say it will be, or as people, yeah. uh, professional say it would be. And I mean, the again, big thing is roamers is like, are, it's going to be harder to roam in the newer, the, the newer meta just because uh, the combination of operators with Lion makes it really hard to roam successfully. But I, I don't really see that as a super big thing if you go back to the fundamentals of roaming, which is knowing how to rotate back to site safely. If, they, if you stick to those fundamentals and are playing maps where you can do that, where there are rotates back to sites, I don't think it's some unplayable thing. You just can't roam as long as you used to. Yeah. No, roaming as long is definitely going to be hard. Uh, what they're going to have to do is maybe you'll see a little bit more of Castle to delay some stuff. And like if they have a, a Lion and they scan early, but you have some very like narrow choke point with Castle or stuff like that, it can help, but anyway, you, you'll have to fall back to site ASAP. Yeah, I see Mute Vigil being more of a, a pick because Vigil's going to make it harder for them to hit you outside of the Lions and Jackals. Yeah. They're going to have to actually drone still to find you. But also, Mute will, uh, will be still good for drone denial. So in a situation where, they, where they're using Lions and Jackals, you want to deny drones as much as possible so that they have to use those and burn those uh, because they, those are limited charges. That they can use. So if you burn those up, not to mention, for example, uh, if you're gonna be if you're gonna play site and you want to burn up jackals, track a bunch of footprints around, make them use their jackal pings on the site players, which are a lot more lot less useful. Get them to burn their jackals or their lions earlier in a situation where they don't have them as as much or as many of them for the push towards the end when they go to push site or when they go to post plant. I don't I don't think there aren't counters in that sense. There's just not any hard counters. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting. I have no idea how it's gonna turn out to be. Like I, I've only played a couple rain game, and it is obviously strong. But you're not playing against and with a coordinated team, so there's that to keep in mind. Maybe they'll find like crazy ways to overcome it. But 
anyway, who's going to win? Even if it's OP, the team that's going to win is the team that can use this the better. So it's still yeah, the better team that wins, but just a meta that I hope uh, will be interesting to watch. As a spectator, that really is like what you want, something interesting to watch. So hopefully it is. Yeah. What, what I'm looking for in Rainbow Six and what I think is entertaining is new ideas, new strategy. And if it gets stale like we had with Ying Glass, it kind of become boring fast. And I don't think we'll Glass do boring. <laughs> hopefully it think... won't do the same thing. Yeah, well, the, the, a bit more diversified. We didn't actually have a full season for Ying Glass. We just had the qualifiers, so I don't, I don't know if it really You're got right. to the point where it got "quote unquote" boring because we didn't really have a full season of it. And I think had we had a full season of it, we would have seen it change more over time during those three months. Well, we, so, we kind I don't of did had a full season of it because the qualifiers for the Invitational were well, not qualifiers, but the season of the Invitational was pretty much a season when you look about it. It was just like a condensed one, very short one. Yeah, I don't think the meta gets to evolve as much, though, when we don't have... Yeah, that's true. There's no time to I mean, that, that being said, though, I think metas will evolve much much faster in the in the round-robin format oh, yeah. than they do in this format. Because this bracket format obviously plays less games, therefore the meta changes slower. Because the meta does change as teams review what happened, adapt, change up what they're doing. And you see a lot more because it's it's a lot more than just scrimming. And uh, and having a season of full, like, tons and tons of matches. Not to mention a six-month season with tons and tons of matches and a full DLC in the middle. The six-month season will see tons of meta shifts. But with the bracket system we have right now, um, you can't really adapt fast. Because what you're going to do is figure out a couple maps. You, you don't have time to learn them all. And it's not worth to, work to like, learn them all. So what we see is Oregon being played a lot because it's an easy map. Uh, we can see Chalet or Clubhouse being played a lot because they're easy map to figure out with like the new meta and stuff. So that's a reason why we see them a lot. But with the Robin round, I think it's going to be way more diversified and people will come up with like new ideas, good map, especially when we have more time and you're not potentially out of the Pro League in two games. That's a lot of stress and gives space to trying new strats a lot more. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of pressure. And I, I mean, I think we're all looking forward to the new format. Just for if nothing else, a lot more matches to watch, even oh, if uh, sure. best of one is a struggle for some teams. That is for sure. And, well, now that we talk about it, more games to watch. It's going to be hard to keep up with everything, especially with ANZ and Z right now that I kind of want to watch. But there's going to be more game of everything. It's going to be kind of crazy. That's why we need CGG, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Help track Let's plug. <laughs> keep up with the news keep up with the uh i'm just using it to uh, game. i'm gonna i'm gonna do a lot of the betting as a way to help me keep up as well with uh Even other regions i might too. yeah yeah it's i like, mean if i've got my, my money focus is usually on na and eu and now i want to like clear some times to watch anz and i watch a little bit of Lat latam or brazilian scene um not as not as much as na and eu eu i watch everything on na eu just yeah, I'm hoping to. Uh, I don't have enough time. Hoping to cast BR6 tonight in English. If there's, if uh, I'm still waiting for information on a clean feed, but there's a chance I might be doing that tonight. And if so, that's a good way to kind of preview how some of the Latin American teams are yep. playing at the moment. Even though it's not pro league, it's close enough. But they've got a really weird format that's that should be interesting for that. See a, a tournament trying out kind of a different format for how the brackets work. 
Well, if people say the meta is going to be as aggressive as they say it is, maybe it's time for the Brazilian to take it home. Maybe it's going to be the season for them to do to do it. Oh god, yeah, like, Lion plus Brazilian style? It's like, no, I don't want to live in this world. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> they're going to be nuts. If that's that the case, and it is as aggressive as they say, I, it, they're going to be scary. And if they can bring it home, I think that's the season to do it. Well, if any team can execute on that five seconds of wall hacking, it's going to be Shift W region. Oh boy, yes. It's going to be scary. So, we'll see, though. I mean, I, I don't like to over like fear or anticipate uh, a season because like, I think part of the exciting part about this game is how often teams and players surprise you with what they do, mm -hmm. which is what keeps it really interesting. So I'm actually looking forward to teams just doing stuff no one was prepared for yet um, because... Teams are going to be spending so much time like looking for holes in other things, looking for ways to, to play these new operators outside of just the obvious ways to do it or ways to counter them outside the obvious. So I think uh, the first week might be a little more just like, like half of the matches might be kind of crazy and weird and the other half might be kind of what we expect. But then like week two, teams are going to be more adjusted. Should be interesting. That especially with uh, big orgs coming to the scene and just giving the player more time to entirely focus on the game, I think it's going to evolve way faster and be, like, much better quality gameplay-wise. Yeah, I hope so. But nonetheless, uh, either way, it's, it's a lot of good teams involved. And that's the important yeah. thing is that there's these... Uh, unfortunately, like, it's pretty much the same teams most of the time. We don't actually get a lot of change-ups in Pro League, partially because of the format and partially because good teams tend to stay good because when you're a team that's good already and you're doing well, that's more incentive to stick together and continue doing well versus teams that are not doing as well, feeling like they need roster changes as a way to make up for things that aren't working for them, which isn't always the way to do it, but that is that tends to be something you're going to see a lot more sometimes among the lower ranks. Whereas the top teams tend to just change out one or two people. In fact, I saw a rumor yesterday. I don't know if it's true or not that like CLG and uh, was it um, CLG and um, rogue, I think rogue. Yeah. Like switching out players. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine Pro League is tomorrow, but just a quick reminder. Pro yeah, like, tomorrow. I don't know uh, so if, if there, I think there's crazy. a 24-hour roster lock, too, that they have to do. Oh, yeah, right. So 24 hours will be in, it's 2 p.m. for NA right now. So, yeah, six hours. Yeah, six I'm going to have to try and do it if it's true. Yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, the brackets, I don't think, the brackets are up for the uh, for the official Pro League matches. So in theory, the ESL plays should be roster locked within like 24 hours before. So I would hope if I go check the ESL play brackets in the teams just before, there. you know, within 24 hours, it should be updated, hopefully. Oh, and, and a shuffles. And a shuffles. It's never over till the first game is played. It's never but over. like I've <laughs> said before, the reason you're going to see, besides just other potential reasons, uh, Latin America and NA shuffle more is because they all speak the same language. Yeah. Well, Same with uh, ANZ. Yeah, you, you have a lot more people to switch between. Whereas regions like EU are really language locked and run into a lot of problems. Although I think they should really learn from the fact that Penta is a butt team and they are the most successful EU team. So there is something to be said about, hey, all, just, all of you should just probably learn how to speak better English and, <laughs> uh, and focus on speaking universal language among your team. Uh, whether that be... I mean, there's a lot of Finnish players, so I guess there's the nice yeah. thing about that is that ENS has helped bring Finnish players into the scene because two of the Finnish players on uh, Penta are both from 
and Zisu originally. So it's like almost like that team brings Finnish players into the scene and then they can spread out. So at least that region's language is growing. But I doubt they're speaking Finnish on Penta. Like maybe maybe occasionally Zunas and Chate speak to each other. I think it's fair to assume it's English. Yeah, and so that's a big thing. Is like it's just it's a big advantage that NA and Latin America have is being able to do mm-hmm. that. ANZ have that as well, but ANZ is a smaller region compared to NA and Latin America. Yeah. So feels bad for uh, a lot of the the Asian subregions as well that are not necessarily going to have a lot of language fluency as well. So it's it's a big thing to consider because this is such a communication heavy game. It's not a game where you can just be like whatever I'll just do my fragging. I don't need to really talk. Oh no, it's definitely communication and information above everything. This is Rainbow Six. You don't need to be yeah. a good aimer to be a professional player. It's communication and just game knowledge in general. Most of the time. Because yeah. there's a lot of gunfight that happens that if you play it well, you're going to be like behind or on the side of the enemy. He's not going to be aiming straight at you. Like it's the case in... Not every time in CSGO, but CSGO is a very like narrow corridor and it's more gunfight like front one-to-one. Yeah. When Rainbow Six, you can get killed from like 360 degrees, like around you and above and below. So, it's game knowledge. Game knowledge. Is well, knowledge. although Lion takes a little bit of language communication out of yeah. it sometimes yeah. because everyone can see it. I think a lot of us uh, would definitely be interested in seeing uh, Lion where it, it only shows two Lion, so he has to communicate all that stuff. But, uh, you know, Jackal uh, kind of broke the ground in terms of sharing the communication with everyone. I think the reason I say that is because operators before like Pulse and IQ set the precedent that it's just that one person and they have to communicate with pings and stuff. So that was like the original mold of the game was to say if someone gets intel it's just that operator and they have to communicate it so i think it's i think it's in some ways unfortunate they've gone away from that a little bit in terms of having jackal and lion freely share that information automatically with players but i think it does help in solo ranked uh queuing and casual basically outside of pro league those kinds of things do help because communication is definitely uh a lot bigger problem in those areas i was talking with zyronix yesterday and he brought up a like a fairly good point that I think would be um, a good idea or good way to nerf operators like Lion is they have an, op- uh, an ability that relies on information and gives information to everyone. What if you keep the gadget like it is right now, but you remove his drone? He doesn't have like- a drone to drone. Like, at the beginning of the round, it's not going to be able to do anything. It's not going to be able to drone for anyone. So the only way to give information is going to be to use his ability. That should be interesting. That would be interesting. I mean, I, I definitely wish we could... I guess you could try stuff like that if you wanted to have... Like, it scrims, like, you just tell him, don't use your drone. Like, he has to leave his drone at the spawn and prep phase and no yeah. deploying drone. Or maybe having only one drone, but, like, playing with the number of drones he has, I thought was a good idea. Maybe not a good, I don't know about good, but a neat idea. Something I would say that's something we have have done because of Twitch. Like originally Twitch yeah. had normal drones yeah, and they, they switched that later on. Because they, they switched it because she had, a, originally she had drones that were like a regular drone as well. Mm-hmm. But now it's just shock drones. So I guess there are some precedent for messing with operator drones. <clears throat> I still think it'd be fun if you could shoot down Lion's drone as well. Just yeah. because like you see it up there. I think it's interesting that they actually spent the time to put the drone to show up out there. 
And, and what's interesting about that is now Valkyrie can find out if he exists before seeing him. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a lot of people think about that in terms of, like, normally you can't scout the attacking operators outside of Valkams looking at spawns. Now you don't have to look at spawn to know if Lion's in play. Although, mm -hmm. I think Lion's going to be a high pick rate anyways. But it's interesting to think that you could potentially look out. Yeah. And I kind of wonder, does it, I haven't tested this, but if there's skylights on a map, like, for example, there's skylights on Chalet and, and some other maps, would you be able to actually see before uh, prep phase ends that Lion is in play and prep for that? I think That's you, something new. I think you would. But if you could shoot it down, that would be a problem because the round yeah, would be absolutely. starting in. But that is something new and different that I just realized is that this is the first time you can actually, outside of Twitch's shock drones, I suppose, yeah. that you can identify an attacking operator during prep phase. That, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. I love those small changes, right? Like those small, <laughs> subtle things. Because that's the stuff that like the really good teams pick up on, right? Is those small, subtle things. Like, for example, we, we talked past about like Canadians' ability to like read people's shoes as like a anecdote. That uh, is illustrative oh, yeah, of those that. kinds of ideas. Yeah, I know. And the story's gone around, you know, made the rounds. But th that's just a symbolic idea of like what a good team does is they find those small details that give them that advantage edge early in the match in the rounds, so they can have some idea how to adapt and adjust and call audibles, which is something that uh, these more subtle, subtle small things uh, are able to help these teams do. And speaking of which, you talk about uh, the shoes uh, story. Brings me to the, I've been saying it for a while and now it's like coming more and more uh, up to date with the discussion and things that needs to change for Rainbow Six, but the cosmetic, the uniform. Yeah, I feel like you're going to say that. They need to do something about it because now you just, hey, I killed uh, Hibana. Oh, no, wait, it was uh, someone else because they have it was the someone else in a yellow suit in the exact same uniform. They need to change something. And what I was proposing like a while back is it would be cool if the professional player could have their own uniform for the team. But then some like I think it was Blast who was making some of these uniforms. And some of these uniforms were darker than other ones. Some were bright, some were dark. And that gives a good advantage. It's not a game like Overwatch where it doesn't matter all that much. In Rainbow Six it really does matter. Um, yeah. So it was like maybe just, you know, default uniform and you replace the flag with the team logo or something like that. It's subtle, it's still there, you still have it. There are gonna be like three people, maybe five or six if you count a coach, people who have this uniform, so you know it's like legit. And it would be good for comp. <coughs> it would be good well, for comp, because you know, everything default, you know exactly who you're firing at. Yeah, I think the what we've proposed a lot of times, at least amongst ourselves, and talked about, um, is the just the simple idea. And we've told the Ubisoft of this as well because I think this is the the, the best approach to find a balance between business model and uh, competitive scene is to simply make it so that when you use the Pro League HUD settings in custom game, which they do, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, that does stuff like hide the kill feed, yeah. or not the kill feed, but the uh, the points feed, mm -hmm. and uh, and a lot of other HUD stuff. Yeah, so that you get less intel from uh, from stuff you do in the game. And you just make it so that if that setting is on, that players only see default skins and things like that, but the observer still can see the custom skins and all that. The idea being uh, custom skins and whatnot, you do want those shown to an audience so that mm -hmm. those that audience is then 
uh, incentivized to make those purchases. For example, that's part of what team charms are for as well. And yeah. stuff like that. So you do want to show those, but you don't necessarily want to make those part of competitive. So you just make it so the spectator can see those, but that the, uh, the players, teams, the, the players players. can't, that still does mess with us as casters a little bit determining. Cause there are times I, I literally am telling what's going on because I recognize the silhouettes of the outlines. I can tell what operator is where and what they're doing without tags or things like that because you can recognize that silhouette outline. And you throw custom skins like the Outbreak ones in, and that becomes a little more difficult to do. So it does still hurt us a little bit as casters. But I, as a compromise, I think that is like absolutely the best compromise that I've heard in terms of suggestions. I don't know if they're going to do anything or what they'll do, but I do hope something along those lines is implemented. I mean, it wasn't as big an issue before the Outbreak skins, but the Outbreak skins have really highlighted, uh, appropriately highlighted in yellow, the uh, the issue. Yeah, it's they need to do something about it because it's getting more and more a problem, especially with like this. There's silly skin and it gears that we did not have before, and now we have them, and a lot of them are very similar to each other. So it's it really really is hard to tell them apart. What would be interesting, too, is if you implemented that, because the Observer would still see it, you could get players doing things like team colors or other kinds of uh, ideas or, or kind of make themselves look funny or fun or do whatever, and that would show up to the audience so that that, that player could have their own unique character to them in the sense of like people recognizing that player in a certain flair that he does. Um, like, let's say he's Buck running that weird... like lumberjack looking outfit or you know whatever it is but then not have to have that may be a competitive choice like he doesn't have to be like oh i'm not going to choose that outfit because it's affecting me at a competitive level i can just choose that outfit i'm gonna play twitch elite skin because she's invisible her drone is anyway yeah right or like when rook was like invisible to glasses thing with the elite skin (laughs) that was like there for a minute that was was fun it was the best but yeah they they need to do something about it yeah I, i know they still want to use Pro League as a platform to sell some of these uniforms and skins and all that, all that good stuff. But it, it's kind of getting to the point where it's interfering a little bit with um, competition itself in some point. It's not major. You don't really lose a game because of it. But, you know, it's, it's fun to have um, something consistent. If they were smart, they would have put a couple of skins in Outbreak that somehow gave you an advantage. So that way people would chase all the packs and <laughs> buy them all. Like, the pay to win, right? Throw yeah. some Elite skins in there or something that, that give you an advantage and you'd see a lot more money made. It's sucky, but I come from doing uh, working on CCGs, so I'm pretty accustomed to that business model. Yeah, it's... yeah. <laughs> but I think we went full circle on this subject. Um, yeah. There's just not a lot more we can say, really. It's just... Hopefully they'll do something about it, but it doesn't seem like they it's a priority right now. And obviously yes. I don't think it is. There's a lot of other priorities, so I'm I'm not uh, I'm not too concerned about it though. I don't think you're gonna see full comps in like the outbreak year during this season. Yeah. And um moving on, Challenger League on EU is gonna be interesting, at least to me, because I don't know. It's stuck in there now. They made it. It was harder than I thought it would be. But they made it. And ooh, we are you, are you there? You froze for a second. <laughs> nice. Gotta love that. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, I don't know. They barely they made it on the second qualifiers, right? Who did? I don't know. Oh, I thought you were saying you lacking. didn't know. 
What a stupid name. I'm sorry, Meepy. You need to get it together. You're never going to be a professional team if you don't get a goddamn decent name. If, 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 when you say the name, I don't know if you're talking about a team or oh, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it was Come obvious on. in my head. Come on. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Meepy needs to get it together. Like, he can't hold the team together, and I can't speak to why because I don't know what the personal synergy is like with teams and stuff. But he seems to really be struggling uh, to kind of get his team to stick together and not have all this tr trouble. Like, I mean, get, yeah, they're in Challenger League now, but if they can't get their act together this season, they're going to have to wait six months again oh, yeah. for another this chance to get in. You so, don't want to miss the bus. You're, you yeah. don't want to miss that bus. I mean, obviously, if he can get a decent roster together, I think there's a good chance that they'll see them at least make it to relegations, potentially, in Challenger League. But Challenger League EU is much harder in a lot of ways yeah. than Challenger League NA. Challenger, Challenger League NA has typically not been as hyper-competitive as EU's has. Well, so, it's pretty much you know, top four team, and the top bottom four, uh, the bottom four team just switch every season. The CU yeah. team every... The bottom four is just, you know, the shuffle of teams and players that come together, disband, come back together next season. Yeah. Uh, NA right. has some, some decent, interesting teams in there, but yeah, it's still pretty much like a top four kind of thing. Well, Reckless did well in the qualifiers. They almost made it to the Invitational, yeah. which was kind of crazy. Now they're on the Beast Coast. Yeah, now they're on the Beast Coast, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up with that. I know they also changed a player. Um, it was around the Invitational. Or yeah, Breezy got dropped. Right? Yeah. And uh, hopefully that'll work for them because they, they, they showed big time on that qualifiers. They showed up big time. And it's looking great for them for this uh, Challenger League season. And if they can keep up with that, they, may, they might even make it to, well, Pro League for the six month. And as soon as you make it to, to the Pro League for next season, I mean, you're there for six months, which is awesome. Well, they got to have a huge incentive to do that because yeah. basically right now with the amount of orgs getting involved, if you basically mm -hmm. make it into Pro League, yeah. you're you're likely to get uh, a big org. And you have to think of it, it's a cyclic thing. It's an upward cycle because if you get a big org, then you get a lot more support. You get a lot more incentive to practice, oh to stick together as a team, to build up synergy, to uh, be able to actually get a salary so you don't have to like deal with work, real life issues as much. So it becomes an upward spiral of success breeding success in terms of that. But because it's still eight teams of also having that, you still have to remain very competitive. Yeah. But it is difficult then for other Challenger League teams to sneak their way in. So Challenger League really has to play to like the top of their ability to try and make it to, to break in because of that especially now with six month seasons they, they especially have to be like really really mm -hmm. aggressive and on top of that to get in uh because once you do it's it's a much easier and the challenger league is on a weird spot right now where pro league is six months but challenger league is only three months still yeah and that's going to be going a... for next season as far as i know so yeah and that's just three months of like nothing at all just you, you, yeah. you hope that CCS and all these small leagues just uh, pick it up and gives you something interesting to compete in. Because Challenger League is just on a weird spot right now. It's yeah. If I was CCS in those other leagues, I'd be like excited about that yeah, extra three months. For these leagues, it's it's amazing. It's like the best opportunity they can have ever. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It shakes down though, but it definitely will be a case of those teams really needing to stay practiced 
for the season. I mean, right now they have a parallel season because they're both three months. But basically, after this Challenge League season, there's going to be three months of dead time yeah. for all those teams. So it's not going to be easy. I, I mean, hopefully there'll be some good tournaments run. Personally, if nothing's going on, I'll probably even run a tournament just so there's something going on. But it's yeah. a case of like, uh, it's definitely a difficult battle. Challenge League is in kind of a weird spot right now. It's yeah. it's not going to be easy. And Challenge League brackets aren't even up yet. I don't even think the eight teams are official yet. So it is very okay. running a little bit last minute. Wow. This season, because I checked the brackets right before we went live, and there is none as far as I see, like in terms of uh, at least showing up on the page. So I'm guilty <laughs> of not checking that a whole lot. Not Challenger League. I, we have an I don't think, game uh, that's hard to just keep up with Challenger League too. Right. Well, yeah. Imagine for me, because I'm I'm trying to be involved in both, and yeah. like so it's it's yeah. I uh, I definitely awesome. have to. I have a lot of documents spread everywhere, trying to keep track of it. Mm -hmm. Stuff like CGG actually does really help me too, because like there's a lot of you guys on CGG, the team that kind of like does a lot of stuff like the stats guy and things like, and people doing getting rumors or research that just like really helps me stay on top of it, because uh, you know, it's a lot of freaking information. All the infographics that they came out, one for um, the Invitational and one that came out yesterday about uh, the pick rate of operators. And the win rate of like depending on a pick rate and all that stuff is uh well ohm made strat uh, stats that uh they keep track of and it's kind of amazing i i i haven't had a lot of time right now to look into it but i will definitely uh, go in depth with it and try to find neat little stats and uh tendencies in teams that way because uh, there's a lot of it I don't think they showed right now what it is, but there's a lot of stats about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for once uh, the draft stuff happens. Yeah, because oh, like, it'll yeah. be just because like the engagement with the stats is so different when you actually have the ability to like build your fantasy teams and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm a big big fan of like uh, virtual betting being mm -hmm. a way of like helping gamify. Uh, like spectating sports um, yeah. because I personally have found that that sort of thing actually can drive my interest up in physical sports, which personally I find really dull, but having the ability to have like some kind of involvement with them. I even started doing, there's a stupid fantasy movie league thing that like Cinemark or something started doing for the movies uh, that's similar to what like Hollywood stock exchange used to do or probably still does, but I don't know. I just find that stuff uh, really interesting. And like, I'm not saying all this to plug CGG stuff. This is all stuff that I'm participating in CGG because I think it's really cool to have that kind of stuff. And I hope uh, that kind of thing will grow because it gives uh, those of you watching this, like something else to talk about and work on uh, during the season as well. Like besides just watching the games, to kind of really start to think in depth uh, about the different players, the team compositions, um, what these teams can and can't do and like what players are uh, are actually working and improving over time on their specific roles. Yeah, I mean, with the pick and ban, it's just going to be insane. Gonna so be there was a it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of stats for the like the oh, coach God, yeah. to, to for keep me. Up that's going to be way too much work, especially with the sixth pick and all that. Be a full time job. Oh my God. Uh, so uh, so there was a question from chat, and I, they were kind of make, trying to make sure we didn't miss it. Uh, uh, Hybrid had asked about uh, Pwn leaving. Room Factory, um, oh. and what that will do. I think Room Factory, they did just recently win the Russian Cup. I'm not sure uh, who the lineup was, but they did also lose Red Groove. And so I think between losing those two players, that puts Room Factory in kind of a tough spot because chances are they probably speak Russian um, on the team, which means, again, their their composition, their potential pool of players is a bit limited. So that might be, between losing those two, a big problem for them this season. 
I can say I've been keeping a lot of um, interest recently, uh, like small roster change on teams like that, especially in EU. Um, been a lot, very busy with life right now. I'm trying to fix a lot of stuff. But uh, Room Factory did it well. So it's kind of sad to see them like spreading apart a little bit like that. But hopefully it won't affect them that much. But usually a roster change, it takes some time. It takes some time to uh, just get back on track and just get team chemistry working out. Yeah, well, Ranger says they actually speak English. Oh, uh, so hopefully, hopefully that's the case. As I said earlier, that offers a lot more flexibility, and I would hate to see them be just pigeonholed as a Russian-only team. Yeah. I did, I do believe they think they had one non-Russian. I think was uh, maybe Croatian or something before. Um, so you know, that's obviously some flexibility there. But there is a fun of national pride. It is fun to have a team that is kind of representing a specific country, but at the same time, that's that limits you. Not to say Russia is a small country, to say the least. Though <laughs> they are pretty big, but. Uh, We'll see. I mean, it's nice to see some of these other uh, Eastern European teams, like the Polish team being back in there, Patakalypsa being uh, involved in terms of at least the Challenger League again, um, and seeing where they can go. I know there's, being in Poland here with the, the production crew and stuff, they're always super cheering for the, the Polish teams to make it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Russia can, can keep it together this Challenger League season. It's not going to be easy battle, because as we know, the, the Challenger League teams are always like in EU, just super playing hard. EU is very competitive in EU, uh, Challenger League. It's, I, I am amazed by it. It's, I, I wish NA was on that level. Oh, no, it was Red Groove that was Swedish. Sorry, that was... Thanks for the correction on that. I, again, so many freaking teams to keep track of in here, and you throw Challenger League into the mix. It's just... That's a lot. I mean, it's yeah. very true, too. If you go on EU Pro League, you just say, maybe they're French. You have a good chance of, like, getting it right. The I think they wanted us are... yeah. The French, let me yeah. check it real There's quick. a lot of French. There's a lot of French team. And they do good. Yeah. They obviously do something good. You know, I feel like they don't make it to the finals as much, though. They don't... Like, with as big as the French community is, outside of Youngtis no. back in the day, like, making it, we're not seeing a lot of French make it all the way. So I'm not sure if that's just due to internal issues or what, but it's like these players have been around for a long time. I mean, Supremacy put up a pretty good fight. Uh, so that was, like, one of the closer ones. Mm -hmm. Because they've been around for a long time and they haven't changed their composition. Like in terms of uh, player rosters. And so I think that's been a strength for them is they are one of the few French teams that isn't constantly shuffling around. And that's why you see them make it a little bit farther. But And I had, uh, I had high hopes for Supremacy at the Invitational and they definitely yeah. delivered. Yeah, I think I they think for they sure delivered. Like up there, like in the finals, but I was hoping they'd do well and they, they did. Yeah, they were up against tough competition now. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as they stick around like that, I'd really like to see where they make it to. I mean, um, I, I look at, like, the bracket A of EU, and it's basically yeah, I think they wanted us to go through those, French uh, team. I think they wanted us to go through the actual rosters a little bit, too, and kind of uh, touch on, because not everyone's, in, in, like, up to date on who's playing and whatnot uh, in terms of all the teams. So, like, looking at EU, for example, we have Penta, Vitality, one of the, the other French orgs, who has changed players around quite a bit, though. Oplon, who used to be Lucky7, who before that was, um, why is this slipping my mind right now? Uh, Ares before that. Uh, Millennium, mm -hmm. who is another French team that is the org is stuck it around, but the players have changed out. Um, Digital Chaos, which is interesting because they're kind of technically I don't know. They took I don't know spot, yeah. but they they aren't the same. It's not associated with Meepy because it was the the three Swedish that took on Red Groups. That makes sense. They took on another Swede. Um, 
And then, so they're now a digital chaos instead of uh, whatever you would have called it before. So that's a nice big org that stepped in as well. Mm-hmm. Supremacy, who you we were just, just talking about, uh, another French team. Uh, Ents, the Finnish team we were talking about earlier. And then 1UP Esport, um, the German guys. So, so we've got an interesting mix here. We actually have quite a few French teams in here. And we've got two German orgs, although one of them is the only one that actually has German players on it. And then uh, then just some, some random ones, like a mostly Swedish team and mostly Finnish. So... It's a good mix. If you look at bracket A, it's basically Penta and three French team. Vitality, yeah. Team Oplan, and Millennium. Be interesting. Yeah, and there's always Supremacy who's going to be around for the other bracket, but I mean, one of the French team is still going to make it to the playoffs. Like, 100% yeah. guaranteed. Well, most of these teams, though, keep in mind, EU has gone through a lot of roster changes, so it's it's hard to say how a lot of these teams are going to do, because even changing one person can really change how your team plays, unfortunately, because this is such a team-oriented game. Like, it matters a lot more. You can't just swap out fraggers or swap out support players and expect to get the same results, because it's just not the same. You, you don't just have people just doing their job. They need to really mesh as a team. Yeah, well, when you do it, you need to have the long-term game in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think big orgs being involved will help slow down a lot of roster shuffles. But that being said, we're still seeing some. So it's not like it's going to stop it, but I think there's more incentive now to stick with the team. And we're starting to see orgs get a little more um, competitive with each other in terms of like competing to do that, which means... So the the upside of that is that means better contracts for the players, which means even more incentive to stick around. So the more competitive it gets for the orgs, the more we should hopefully see rosters start to gel and have like a lot more stability but that being said there's still a lot of ego involved and team dynamics that are like behind the scenes you don't see that are going to really affect teams ability to play together and uh, and you're also going to see players that just aren't performing get dropped which i mean it sucks for those players but and we never really get the full 100 percent story on why a player is dropped or not dropped so it's it's always hard to tell because it's like, you know, one person will say they were dropped, the other person, I mean, will we'll say that they left, then the other people will say that they dropped. And it's always hard to be sure, like, why roster changes are, are done because you get two sides. Well, the players are, like, playing with each other almost seven <laughs> days a week. So obviously there's going to be some friction sometimes and you won't, like, hear the whole story about it, so... If, yeah. yeah, it happens. People are fast to judge on these situations where a people like a player is dropped or something like that. But there, there's usually a reason behind it, and it's not just uh, I'm gonna toss a coin and just uh, pick one and he's kicked or no. It's it's much more complicated than that. Yeah, we did a draft season, right? So free agents are like this big thing, and I don't know. We do we do have a lot of the same players kind of moving around. Um, between teams and stuff like that uh, that are kind of acting sort of as free agents a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But eventually we'll get to that point, right, where there's draft season and stuff. I mean, chances are probably uh, Overwatch League will get there first just yeah. because of their, the way they're organized is a little mm-hmm. more similar to sports. And um, you have a lot of people being shuffled around between some of those teams, mostly for toxicity, getting banned and stuff like that. But For the meme. Um, getting yeah, fined for meme. That's... It'll be interesting to see if we it's get funny. more of that ourselves, right? Because Overwatch League has had a lot of issues right now with toxic players yeah. getting fined and, and kicked and, and mm-hmm. made to set positions and stuff like that. And now that there's this big uh, push on uh, making sure that there's less toxicity in the game, um, 
maybe that was something we'll see move to this game as well. I mean, the only time we had a big incident about it was the issue with uh, with Black Sig and Skies that one time was yeah. the only big Republic thing. And they've since like really stepped up being a lot more professional. I mean, there was a lot of noise um, so. around this story too. Like people, yeah. a lot of people were saying a lot of things about what happened and like all the facts around it, and it it it's really unclear what really happened. At least to me, because I don't know, I haven't kept track of everything people said about that whole story. But since then, I mean, it, it obviously it's I think it's working well. It's way better. That was the first really um, event that, about that kind of situation with toxicity and just unprofessional behavior, but. Since then, yeah. I think I think it's fair to say they, they stepped it up. Well, speaking of uh, toxic players and stuff, let's take a look at NA. <laughs> now, uh, we, so the uh, the lineup is is mostly the same teams for this. Like, we didn't really get a lot of new teams or any kind of changeups um, in terms of the, the North America teams. Um, we've got Era, Evil Genius, Ronin, Space Station Gaming, which is one of the big changes in terms of orgs. Yep. CLG, which is well, technically well, SK, new to this. SK. Well, yeah, I was just that's about a to big change too for Flipside. CLG. They've yeah, been that Flipside ever since deal. year one. Yeah, yeah they just like, finally switched to something like SK Gaming. Yeah, so, since uh, I believe season two of year one, uh, they've been Flipside. So. so that's that was like the very probably first the longest, big org to come in. This that season. might be the longest running org in Pro League uh, because Sisu changed to Ents a while ago. So yeah, uh, yeah they might have just finally. It broken that record so now someone else is gonna have to try and run longer so but that, that's good for them like sk i have high hopes for them this season um Same. i hope they can really because they i don't know they've struggled they've, they're an interesting team like they're a team that i don't feel like always performs to the best of their ability um in terms of like really making it there but they're a team that i do also like that they are creative in what they do they try to make it more interesting in terms of um shifting around like their strats playing off sites things like that having a lot of pocket strats so i i hope they do well this season but unfortunately the format doesn't support that yeah. as well because it's still the old format which we have so many good teams and now chances are they could get knocked out their clg uh, though has been struggling a little bit yeah they've been struggling a little bit and as a reminder sk gaming play on the second week against bird U, and it's going to be rogue clg or is it tomorrow no, it's the I, second I week, know. right? Group B. I have to check. I have it all in documents because trying to memorize this all would just... Yeah, that's a I lot. would probably probably kill myself after a while of trying to keep all that in my head. All the rest um, to change, all yeah, the games. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, you mentioned the other two teams as well, Rogue and Bird University. Bird University, <laughs> I know there's rumors of them getting an org, and I hope they do because, well, I don't really care for the name, but uh, hopefully they pick up an org before this. Um, I'm not sure if Bird University is even any kind of org or just a weird, silly name they came up with. I think that's a weird, silly name. Yeah, don't you miss Biggity Bobbity Boo, right? Biggity Boop Bop. E three. Biggity Boop Bop. Biggity Boop Bop. That was good. That was great. Yeah. If you're gonna get a meme team, Biggity yeah. Boop Bop was great. Better than I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. So we'll we'll see. That there's so many good players and so many good teams in it this time. Like, I mean, the 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 ones that I feel like are gonna maybe struggle a little bit more are Bird University, like. I think they're they're doing pretty decent. It might do probably better than Era, um, but uh, Space Station and Ronin are going to have a little bit of a hard fight as well. Although Space Station, yeah. you know, formerly Infamy, were a pretty good team. I just don't know if they still have like well, really Space Station was most wanted, but they were originally Infamy, right? Oh, yeah. Before yeah, that, tripping like and taking nade. 
I don't. I, honestly, I it's hard to keep track. I don't know. Yeah, oh, like okay, I there's any have roster change and org change. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna yeah. kill killing me. It's killing but, me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the one probably in the weakest position right now in NA is gonna be Era. Unfortunately, they uh, they even have to, to they even have to uh, play Snake Snake play the first round. Uh, our oh, first match true. because of that, like they don't even so they aren't even going to be playing their full lineup the first day because they have to bring in Benji because they got who, Benji right. I wouldn't, say, yeah, I wouldn't say Benji's like completely unknown, but he has been kind of like Jaynon where he's kind of been this sort of fill spot. He hasn't been he's like been super consistently on a team. He's so. been around. He he's been around like even going back to like Orglis and stuff like that. He's been on teams. He just hasn't really stuck around. Yeah, uh, for very long. He's always been like this very short term fill. So we'll right. see. I don't know. I've, I I worry for that team, uh, kind of getting it together. But uh, we'll see. We'll Latin see. America. I've also changed things up quite a bit as well. So we'll see. They, their roster is, and we'll see a preview of it tonight with BR six, right. which I recommend people tune into to kind of get some idea. I'm not sure which teams own, are playing. That's their imagine. own league. Like their separate own thing, league, right? I imagine the teams are going to be mostly the same. Yeah, they usually are. Some some big orgs involved, which is nice. Like a lot of orgs picking up in yeah. Well, there there was already uh, said before, but boot camp team one, and we haven't seen played under that org. I don't think yet. And yeah, obviously, Face Clan is still there. Team Liquid, Red um, Canids as well. Yep, Red Canids. Canids. You're right. Not sure how they pronounce that. Canids or Canids, but yeah. uh, and then we have some of the orgs if you know that were that were shown off at uh, the actual uh, Invitational. Though a lot of these teams. Some of them not doing as well as we would have expected. Like Liquid didn't do that great. They were uh, no. getting crushed. I, I thought Brazilian would at least get to the final at the Invitational, but apparently EU and NA managed to go through again. Yeah. Even the semifinal was full NA. So they, they lost in quarterfinal for that side of the bracket. But with the, like we said early, um, with the aggressive style that we think is coming to uh, the scene, maybe the Brazilian will perform a little bit better because they they are usually they tend to be more aggressive and they have very um, very good aim. Yeah, well, I mean teams are going to have to adjust to the new operators as well, and I think that will affect, like we were saying earlier, Brazilian style play, which should be interesting. I mean, a lot of teams have really adjusted over time away from that whole shift w meta that we like to joke about like they're not as uh crazy like that but they're still very aggressive but they do a lot more droning now and i, I gotta give them credit mm -hmm. for their meta shifting over time as well yeah we have also can't, can't uh, not mention apac have, have been interesting in terms of what yeah. we saw especially invitational well, it's unfortunate about eins though eins yeah the whole eins thing yeah <laughs> Mind Freak also did have change-ups as well. Well, they changed only one, but I think Mind Freak, yeah. with the experience they got at the Invitational, are going to be dominating the scene. Yeah, we heard, they, they did pretty well in the last cup they were in. Like They were definitely performing. Uh, and, and it's been talked about before. Is, yeah. And won the teams, final. Was teams harsh. learned so much from those LAN events. And just a bond you create with other players is enough to give you uh, a little bit of a hedge over anyone else. Yeah, I think uh, they'll definitely take that back, and hopefully that will make uh, ANZ a better region altogether. Hopefully it will. Because, uh, I mean, I was not even seeing them on the main stage, like any team from ANZ. And 
they're just ahead of what I thought they would be at this point, and that's just great. It's just great because more competition in the in the scene it can only be better for everyone. Yeah, well, this game definitely has been stepping it up. It, it's still harder for those regions to really be able to practice and like um, help like kind of bootstrap that region up. Yeah. So we will always have APAC potentially lagging a little bit, unfortunately, just due to their inability to scrim because of internet issues and regional stuff. And the fact that like half of them are on islands, that's, yeah. that's always going to hurt them a little bit. And it's unfortunate. So we, we have to give them some, some credit for whatever accomplishments they're able to make with those handicaps. Not like as in like, Oh, poor APAC, but as in like, good job APAC for despite your handicaps in terms of a, uh, being ready for stuff, actually making it and doing quite well in things like Invitational. So I think hopefully that brings some confidence back to the region, which encourages them to even more so like step it up. Um, who knows, maybe this game will get big enough that people are getting flown between regions and like actually getting moved to gaming houses, like to other countries and stuff because of how big orgs get and, and like, hey, I, we want to pull this guy from APAC region over to NA region. And I believe it's whatever yeah. region you're living in is like what region you can be part of. So I, I would actually imagine someday we'll see teams poaching people from other regions. That, yeah, that I don't think that did. Well, that didn't happen yet. And one day maybe it will. And that's going to be going to be interesting when it happens. Finally, I'm so goddamn hyped about this year yeah. in terms of like how much this game's growing so fast. Like yeah. you've seen, like we we actually <laughs> broke in into the steam top charts yeah. like for the uh for peak players which was like wow i've been waiting for a while for that but we finally did it with uh, i mean say what you will about outbreak and whether or not like it was uh a lot of people complain about was this a good use of the game's time or the dev, dev team's time but look at the record number of players we have playing now mm -hmm. in terms of like it, it had an impact for sure and i'm so glad to see like so many people coming to this game i mean i feel bad for other games like CSGO that are eventually going to, let's be honest, they're going to lose players to this game. I think they will. I think it's fair to assume they will. And speaking of like being hyped about this year, I just can't wait about this season to be over and just move on <laughs> to yeah. Robin round and yeah, that's, picking back oh, be... and five rounds on the same side and then you switch. This is going to be good because uh, this season should... it really is just a buffer that they had to put to in order to like get everything right. And it's just yeah. it, it really feels that way. It's just can we just be like done with it and just move on? Thank you. Right? Yeah. Like I think uh, I think we're all on that same page. It's like we wish it would started, but that this is like there's a lot of change ups in terms of like what's going on this year outside of just that alone. I mean that does mean also we're leading into no no more down seasons. There's yeah uh, there is a winter season mm -hmm. now essentially like winter into spring. And so there won't be any downtime between seasons to, to like, you know, practice for the invitationals and stuff like that. It'll be straight up, like, just leading one or the other. But that also brings me to the other LAN events we have, which is now we've got the other mm. major, the Paris major, will be involved. So that's going to be a big thing coming part way. But also the Dream Hacks that have the been announced. The Dream Hacks, yeah. Dream so that's, a, be, that's a big deal. I think they announced uh, three Dream Hacks right now. It's uh, Valencia. Uh, there's one in Texas, I think. Yeah, the Austin one, Austin which one, uh, yeah. should be good. I'm excited about that. I'm hoping to do that one uh, because, well, NA. Yeah, um, NA. and they're the, oh, and, the nice and next season final is in NA. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be two NA finals. Probably, I would imagine if if you kind of look forward in terms of timing, I would imagine the final for NA for the season would probably be towards the end of May. Just doing the math, uh, like because it'd be it's usually a couple weeks after the season ends. Last year in Poland, it was uh, I think we traveled with Flipside around the 
16th of May. Yeah, I would just say like mathematically, so it should be around the end of May. So, but that means like two NA lands that are going to be really close to each other because the other one's yep. at the beginning of June. So that means within a month, we're going to have two NA lands. So that's going to be that's like super exciting because we haven't had an NA land since freaking Xbox season two. Right. Right. So that's kind of like, yeah. That's going to be nice. I mean, it's nice for me. Like, I like being able to go back to NA and kind of represent NA a little bit. Uh, I mean, okay, so actually, uh, let me correct myself. Obviously, so people aren't hating on this. Technically, Invitational counts as an NA land, but I'm talking about, like, proper North America as we think of it. So obviously, but oh, God, Hyde, Hyde already on me about it. Yes, Hyde, and we know. The, the Invitational is still, like, once a year, and it's basically the only one I can go if I don't want to pay, like... 2000 bucks just to cross the ocean with the shitty like airplane uh, fees we have in Canada. Yeah. Flights so. are definitely hard for this too. And I, and I think that travel does affect sometimes where they have to plan for. Because ESL has to play, pay for flying all these players and teams out. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's also difficult with some regions because you have to keep in mind uh, Brazil, for example, has issues Visa, going yeah. to some regions more than others because of mm -hmm. visas. So they, well, BRK they got that kind of problem for the Invitational, even though they were like invited as a, well, not a community vote, but uh, whatever they want to call it for a show match. Uh, some player had problem of visas, and it was basically just a puck team playing against the the Chinese. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see where the the uh, the actual NA event gets placed, and then where the uh, the finals for the. November uh, season well, like, it actually guess, ends up as it's well. It's probably going to be around California or something like that. I hope the NA final will be in California, but I, I feel like it, it probably won't be uh, the, uh, unless it's LA. There's the ESL studio in LA, right? Yeah, the Burbank one. So yeah. unless it's there, then it'll probably be somewhere else. I just I don't know if they really want to do it there uh, in terms of I don't know. Maybe maybe it's competing too much with uh, like Overwatch League over there, yeah, maybe. taking over LA basically. <laughs> we'll see though. Nonetheless, uh, I mean, I hope it is because I'm from California. So for me, like I actually get to go home and then just drive to LA. Like I don't mm -hmm. even have to fly because LA is like six hours from. Might Sacramento. be a good excuse for me to go there too. Yeah, it's I fun. I get to that. visit more people. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna be. I mean, just more land is great. Just the DreamHack announcement, even though it's like. Uh, only three so far. It's just it's better. Like you, at this point on NA, I'm gonna take everything we can, even if it's like only one more land a year. It's 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 still worth it. Even for some challenger league team too. That's that's a good way to get some um, um, experience on land yeah, if you absolutely. can make it. Well, we'll definitely have a variety of them. And I mean, obviously, uh, speaking of NA being Canada included as well. We have stuff like Northern yes. Arena and stuff going on as well. So there are some yeah. other lands that, that we tend to forget about because they're a little bit smaller. But uh, but nonetheless, like it's interesting because we see, for example, um, Beast Coast picked up one of the players they played with in Northern Arena. Yeah, they did. Part, I'm, I'm imagining Foxy. partially because of that. Mm -hmm. No, no, I mean uh, Waffles. Yeah, no, I mean, Foxy like, played with Waffles oh, yeah, at yeah. the Northern so, Arena. So. Yeah, I think that affected it. So, like, Northern Arena is, in a way, already affecting Challenger League and potentially Pro League. And for those who don't know, the Northern Arena was a Canadian-only circuit for Rainbow Six. So only Canadian could play it. So a lot of people probably didn't see it. Yeah, but it was, it was uh, I think it was a test for them. And yeah. I, I, got, I got to speak with some of the people that uh, managed that league and obviously it was a test for them but they were, they were quite happy with the result of it 
and even uh, the venue they like they got for their land finals, which was a day before the um, playoff or the stage uh, at the Invitational stage uh, sequence at the Invitational, um, it was full. It was a, a small venue, but it was still full, and they were quite happy about it. And I am pretty sure they're gonna like make it a thing that is seasonal Rainbow Six Canadian Circuit. I wish they would just make it full NA. Like if they want to be included in NA, they should include us in NA. Yeah. Come on now. I, I mean, the more just because the there's the not a lot, there's only so many good Canadian players. Like yeah. it, you, you don't even have enough for full roster shuffles. No, you don't. It's, it's like, I mean, a lot of the good Canadian are already in mixed up uh, Canadian USA team. So yeah, they, they. I mean, I mean, especially with like the six month season, if they're in pro league, they're not gonna like try to play in. The yeah, exactly. Arena. So I would like to see them just make it more NA. Um, you know, for people that can make it there, like if people can come from like East Coast US or whatever, like just let them. But you know, nonetheless, it's either way though. The more lands we have. Just the overall, better. the better for every More region. Better. So, yeah. And I, I'm glad to see those other Dream Hacks as well. I'm excited about how many there are. There's already, for those of you who don't know, that was announced, there was Dream Hack Austin, yep. which was the beginning of June. There's Dream Hack uh, Spain Valencia, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't remember exactly where that fell. I think it was September, potentially. And then uh, and then Dream Hack Winter is in sweet. And so that will that will be awesome as well. Like, I, just some great stuff. And then also, I imagine there'll be, there's another Dream Hack, I think that'll be in January. Yep. as well so uh right. it, it's good for exposure as well to the game it's going to bring a lot more players in from those people that go to those dream hack events for other games that will see this game there as well so it's we going to really grow the game montreal you guys you guys had invitationals you guys are good i think you I had know, the biggest event I mean, you're going to get for a while made in montreal why not get like dream hack yeah. montreal come on give, give it time it will it'll get there yeah. guaranteed like this game is like not short-term planning it is I mean, very long-term yeah. planning and if you, you just look at early uh, year two right after the invitational and look at what we where we are right now it's just insane i never thought we would be this far in a little bit yeah. over a year it's crazy. I, I feel good about investing in this game early like oh, yeah. because I, you get nervous because like you you know you put a lot of time into a game and then You've seen games like, for example, Lawbreakers is probably the biggest example of yeah. a game that seems great on paper and like, and is a good game. You play in the beta and you're like, this game's going to be awesome, and then just nosedives immediately mm-hmm. on release. And uh, and you know, playing Siege beta, you could definitely tell there was something here. Yeah. And then that first season, it was a big struggle for this game. Like, it was really like uh, the first year. Mm-hmm. I think was hard for the dev team, hard on the pro league team. Like, I was here. I've been here casting this since middle of season two, uh, year one. And, uh, and it was always just like a big question mark. I'm always like, you know, looking at the door, making sure I'm not having to like go do something else because you, you were never sure if this was going to be successful. And Ubisoft was new to this as well. So yeah. hey, it was always a big gamble. Game. It's their yeah. very so, first game that is aimed to be competitive and last long. Because usually what you see is a game like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry. They just yeah. make the game in three years, ship it, support it for like maybe a couple months and then move on to the next one. Yeah, I feel like the closest experience they had was uh, another Rainbow Six game, Vegas 2, yeah. which had a little bit of esports to it, but was definitely not like this at all. So, I mean, but you got to give them credit for investing early in this as well, because to to basically release the game in December and start a pro league in like February or March, 
like a few months later is a big gamble. But you saw if you saw watch some of their uh, early stuff they did for the press and stuff like that uh, during the early seasons where they were showing off yeah. the prototypes and the internal competitions they would run and the fact that they had big tournaments early on before Pro League to kind of show off the game. Mm-hmm. Like I remember before the game came out in August, it was. there was the big show off the spectator mode. They had that big tournament. That was awesome to watch to see like how the spectator I, mode. I is remember. Be, but I they... think when the game released, or right before the game released, there was like um, they had the IEM, a kind of party or something, and the competition was playing T Hunt, and I don't know exactly <laughs> how they did it, but you you could get some like sort of scores by playing T Hunt, and like at some point there was a winner of like that T Hunt tournament, so you, it was kind of. Weird at first, and now that you look at it with all that we got from Pro League and all that stuff, you're like, this is kind of weird and not really representative of the game. But uh, yeah, we've come a long way, and I think the well, it's funny too. because they learned a lot. Originally, the devs thought hostage mode would be the competitive yeah. mode too, which is funny to think back on. It's yeah. like what hostage? And I mean, yeah. with map free work right now, I think they're keeping in mind the bomb um, situation to. Rework the map more than trying to please people who play Biohazard and Hostage, which is maybe, completely fine by me. Maybe, and you got to think back on that too. Maybe that's why some of the maps are designed the way they are, is that some of the other modes yeah. were more of a focus originally. So that means, like, going back to the old maps like Clubhouse, you know, the bomb yeah. sites weren't as much of a concern because, you know, there was these few hostage or uh, secure area sites, which are single sites. Do you go uh, two and bomb? And you go like Hostage and Basement, you grab it, and then you need to come out. So maybe that kind of makes sense as a thing, but uh, I'm glad they just make the switch, rework the map, yeah. make it viable for bomb, and uh, I'm, uh, let's forget I'm really... uh, Biohazard and hostage are a thing. All right. Yeah, let's forget. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really gonna be excited though for uh, when that clubhouse one comes out. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish mm-hmm. it was already out, like because we're unfortunately we're gonna see more clubhouse this season, especially since we're still in best of three, not best of one. Yeah. Definitely oh, yeah. gonna see clubhouse. So and Oregon and Chile because they're yeah. an easier map to figure out. And it's and it's it's really gonna be hard to play clubhouse this season because of Lion. Because anytime you try and roam now, it's like you're done, though. Like. Done. It's so hard because you, you throw in a jackal, a lion, and drones, and like roaming is is just non-existent on Clubhouse. Then, if it was even a thing, it's already before. hard. It's already hard without lion. Now it's just yeah. You don't want it. You're just gonna like hunker down and hope for the best. I do really hope that you still consider uh, making Vigil immune to lion, though. Because I, I think Vigil is has kind of become this surprise one in terms of like people didn't think it would be played as much as it has been, and Invitational showed the viability. Yeah, and now uh, I think he's going to be even more viable, especially as people said with Ella being nerfed, more room for him to be in there. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll know tomorrow. We'll have a, a glimpse of what team came up to uh, with the new uh, operator, or if they're going to be played at all. I think they will, but I mean, there's still a slight chance people don't use them, if you want to believe. And um, I mean, tomorrow in about uh, twenty-four. Plus five hours, maybe. So yeah. I'm not even gonna guess. I've already made one time zone mistake today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt's Matt's live is never a good idea. So uh, maybe like yeah, 20, 29, 26 hours ish. Between that time span, we should know what people do and we'll be on the first map. Uh, yeah, so interesting game. Ronan, uh, EG, I think are gonna be the first to play. Um, yeah, I think me and Milo are doing the first match, so that oh, should be fun. You? I think so. I mean, it's it's 
I don't know. It's never really. We just kind of decide amongst ourselves. So yeah. we'll see. But I, I, I never really mind personally. I just like doing any match because, like, I found sometimes when one are like, "Oh, I'll take the lesser match," it'll turn out to be somehow the better match of the two because it's not always how you expect it. So yeah. I think it's almost always every match is always interesting, especially now with the level of competitiveness between the teams. It is. Well, uh, it's been an hour and ten minutes. I don't know if you want right. a, a final save, word save some before for the, next week. Um, the pro league starts, or maybe even um, you know, just final word on it. Yeah, pretty much. I'm bad with ending words. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've we've already hit on it a lot in terms of uh, what to anticipate for tomorrow being interesting. Yeah. I would say like definitely keep an open mind going into this tomorrow because uh, things rarely go as you expect, and as this game evolves, mm-hmm. as as qualifiers for invitational, for example, proved, it's getting less and less predictable in terms of what to expect. So I think it's going to be very exciting. I hope the CGG betting is up for tomorrow because I would like to place my bets as well because um, I'm excited to see like who does what and where it goes. But unfortunately, we won't have as many matches tomorrow. So again, it'll just be kind of back. Uh, we do have uh, Latin America has moved to Wednesday, I believe. Oh, is so it? Just, just keep that in mind. Tuesday not is not Tuesday a thing. No. So okay. for everyone watching next week, or this, you know, this coming week here. Keep in mind that Tuesday is not a thing for that anymore, and that also, I think the first Challenger League play day has moved to Wednesday instead of Monday for this week only for EU okay. because of the the patch, something like that. So I'm not entirely, or not the patch, but I mean the the timing of the operators and stuff like. I'm not entirely sure, but so keep in mind you may not be able to catch uh, the time EU Monday for Challenger League operators. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So uh, I'm not 100 sure on that because I don't know. I don't know. And the schedules are fully announced for Challenger League yet. As I said, the brackets aren't up. So just keep that in mind. But uh, nonetheless, uh, hopefully we'll have Challenger League on the R6CL channel for those who want to tune into that. Um, mm-hmm. I actually would like to try and convince them to play the VODs on the main channel during downtime or something like that because, you know, we have the Rainbow Six channel and there's occasionally downtime for it. And it doesn't require the studio to be able to replay VODs, I would think. So... We'll see if that's something we can get some some things to do to try and increase uh, attention on Challenger League, um, which I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might be myself and Rams casting the first Challenger League for NA. Okay. Uh, we'll see, though. I, I have a working PC now. I haven't tested streaming on this, but this is a better one than my stupid laptop. So I think the potential for me casting it higher than 30 FPS might be a thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, and it's yeah. not even, it might be even Rams' PC doing it. So look forward to that. I, I will also tweet out you know, when we know on that so make sure to follow myself as well as helby on twitter and follow cgg and everyone else that's relevant so uh so you and, can keep uh, on tabs and stuff. we just on a side note we have a we had a like rough start uh podcast wise because uh, a lot of stuff happened uh between the first uh <laughs> first triad podcast the first debrief and this one uh now it should be more regular we should be able to yeah. make it every hopefully uh, we Sunday. can do it around this time, this time yeah, yeah because it's actually works pretty good for me at this time uh, it's also going to be actually- available on YouTube if uh, you can be, you cannot be there on live because it's still the weekend. Maybe you have other stuff to do. Yeah, I'm going to put it on YouTube. Live if they can. Yeah. Make sure to, uh, to yeah, just follow and and whatnot for uh, the CGG uh, Twitch channel so you can watch this live. So, but yeah, you know, check it out and follow and subscribe on YouTube or whatever as well to make sure you know. Um, who knows? Maybe then we can edit out all the flubs. <laughs> make it more fresh no. uh but yeah as uh, as we get the hang of this hopefully we'll be able to do it more regularly um as long as there's no problems doing so and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone 
on the next one as well. And if you have questions, you know, pop in here. We'll try and we can only watch the chat so much while we're talking because yeah. we don't have like something else to be doing. We're literally having to pay attention to each other as well. So keep that there's a there's a lot of stuff to figure out. We're still learning. It still is uh, first try at uh, you know getting all the things right. And I guess uh, I guess we can probably make a section on. Uh, if you want to get on the Discord, the CGG Discord, a place where you can make uh, feedback and yeah, things and, uh, we can get better and things we can improve on. If you guys can actually, uh, you know, if you if you're a guest you're interested in seeing, uh, make sure to tweet out tagging both us and the guest because well that will also help plug the uh, podcast. But uh, it's a good way to kind of make suggestions uh, towards who you guys might like to see on here. And then since they're getting tagged, maybe they'll be more inclined to come on. If they see a lot of people doing that, yep. so you know we could try and get get some other people on as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, with Pro League now that is also started, we'll obviously have some games to talk about, which is going to be <laughs> interesting. And I'd like to try to grab some, uh, extract some stats from these games now that we have like a good amount of stats and good track record on it. Yeah, absolutely, make sure you have pay attention to stats on here. Yep. So. Well, with that being said, I think uh, we will peace out. Enjoy the rest of our Sunday. You guys all should do the same. Tune into the BR6. Um, I'm not sure which Twitch that's on. Uh, I'll probably tweet out about it as well, uh, just to kind of give people a link to that when that's live. Whether I'm casting it or not, you might be able to at least see it as uh, in Portuguese, if nothing else. But uh, yeah, look forward to uh, seeing everyone next weekend. All right. Bye-bye.